Merry Christmas, everybody. I want to take a Christmas story that you've heard so many times before, and I'd like to invite you to hear it as if for the first time by focusing on three words, for all people. The very first Christmas, the angel said to the shepherds, and I wish I could say it like John on that video, you know, <laughs> I bring you great tidings, you know. I bring you really, really good news of great joy that will be, listen, for all people. That means, listen, it doesn't mean... It means it doesn't matter if you're Buddhist or Baptist or you're Methodist or Muslim. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic or charismatic or if you are Jewish or Jehovah's Witness or if you're an atheist or an agnostic. Christmas isn't just for Christians. Christmas is for all people, all people. When Jesus was born, 40 days after he was born, Mary and Joseph took this little baby to Jerusalem, to the temple, to be presented to the Lord. And there was an old priest there. And he had been living his whole life on just a little bit of good news. Aren't you tired of all of the constant stream of bad news we have to listen to all the time? Just the steady stream of bad news. I would just want to have somebody say, here's some really good news. You can live a long time on some good news. And that's what was happening with this old priest, Simeon. He had been told, you will not see death until the day that you see the promised Messiah, until you see the one uh, that comes from God that's going to come into the world. You're not going to die till you see Israel's Savior. <laughs> and so this day, in comes a young couple. He didn't know who they were. He didn't know this baby. But when he picked up that little child, something happened. He said, I don't even know how that I know. But it was as if lightning going through a lightning rod, that something just awakened within him, bubbling up from the inside. I don't know how that I know that I know, but I know this is the promised one. This is the Messiah. This is the one that I've waited to see my whole life. And he has an outburst. And it's recorded for us in this Christmas story in Luke, the second chapter, where he says this, I have seen the Savior that you have given to, look, there it is again, all people. He will be a light, not just to Israel, but to the nations, all nationalities, all cultures, all ethnicities, all backgrounds, all people. We take that so seriously here. This Christmas story, this church, this message, it is for all people. Aren't you glad about that? It's for all people. All ages, all economic backgrounds, God does not play favorites. God has no favorites. The goodness of God is for all people. Now, a lot of people don't get this. They think that God is only good to the good, that he is bad to the bad, but he is, he's good to good people. But that's some kind of performance-based thinking. Uh, that's not found in the Bible. Like God is good to the good people and he's bad to the bad. Listen, that's not Jesus. That's Santa Claus, okay? He's the one making his list, checking it twice to find out who's naughty or nice. But it's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible says this. He is good to all people. There's a place in the Bible where it says that he rains down his blessing on the just and the unjust. So what that means is, it means that he causes the sun, the sun to shine down on both the good and the evil. He sends rain or his blessing upon those who do right and those who do wrong. So it doesn't matter uh, if you're good or bad. God's goodness is based on who he is, not based on who you are. See, he is a good God and he is good all of the time. And so he's good to people who believe in him, and he's good to people who don't believe in him. He is good to people even who reject him and who ignore them or ignore him their whole life long. 
He is good to people, whether they realize it or not. He is good to all people. And I don't know what you've believed in up until now, or what you've heard, but he's not just good to the good. He is good to all people. And I have to believe that that's so different from what you have heard all around you your whole life. This whole world lives by a different system. And the different system is this, that uh, God is good uh, to good people and he's bad to bad people. And that system is based on this idea. You get what you deserve in life. See, we're all kind of influenced by that. You get what you deserve. So if you have the goods, it's because uh, you deserve them. You worked hard, you got it. If you don't have the goods, well, buck up, try harder, work harder, do more. Uh, because you get what you deserve in life. If bad things are happening to you, well, you deserve them because you did something. And if good things are happening to you, well, you deserve those too. You get what you deserve. You know what that's called? They call it karma. <laughs> that you get what you deserve in life. So all that bad stuff back in the past somewhere, eventually karma says it's coming to get you, right? That is not the God of the Bible at all. That's why, that's why this message is such good news because it's the total opposite of the world system. There was nothing like it ever before. That God is not just good uh, to the good. He's good to all people. Now hear me when I say this. It's so hard to understand, but try. Listen to this scripture. It says that the unspiritual person has no room for the gifts of God. In fact, he thinks they're folly. He can't recognize them. What's that talking about? That means that you can't hardly recognize the gifts of God in your life at different periods of time in your life. If you live by the principle of you only get what you deserve, let me tell you what I know about you. You're really, really tired. That is a very weary way to live because you always have to do more and you're not ever good enough and there's always something left to do. I just read a study recently in the last week that said that there are now 50% of us, over half of us, going to work deadbeat, tired every single day, and can I get an amen? <laughs> People going to work, foggy, grumpy, upset. It's getting harder and harder to get a good night's sleep. We have the devices on all night. The pressure's coming in. If I'm, you know, we, we don't like to rest. We don't like to be still. Everything's always on, and we're tired, and we're busy, and the unspiritual person can't see the goodness of God because they're so busy, and they're so driven, and they're so pressured by life. Think about this. How many people, life spread, stretched too thin, like butter scraped over too much bread. We're all stretched way too thin. And so the unspiritual person has a hard time seeing the goodness of God when life is lived that way. We overbook our lives, we overspend our budgets, we overestimate our strengths, and so we're left with kind of a frantic weariness. We're just tired. And then we have the bad news come in and it sort of crushes us. But let me tell you what Jesus had to say, and I think it describes the condition of our lives with such accuracy. The people are overwhelmed with worries about all the things that they have to do and all the things that they want to get Stress strangles out what they heard, and nothing comes of it. Can I get at least just one amen on that? Now, God would say something very important to you. You came here on Christmas Sunday. Here's what God would say to you. Be still and know that I am God. Just be still and know that I'm God. Stop for a moment and think about the goodness of God to you. If you haven't thought about it for a long time, think about how good he's been to you. 
He is a good God. He's good to all people. He's good to you. And, you know, you stop and do you de- did you deserve to be born? No. Do you deserve the air that you're breathing right now? No, it's a gift of God. The fact that you can see color, it is a gift of God. The fact that you walked in here today, the gift of God. The fact that you woke up this morning, the gift of God. The fact that God gave you taste buds and then invented Handel's ice cream, (laughs) the gift of God. God invented sex. What a God. I mean, he invented... God is a good God. The unspiritual person can't even see that every good and perfect gift comes from God. So in a thousand different ways, God has been good to you, and he is good like that to everybody. Whether you ever recognize it or not, or follow God or look to God, he's good to all people. Because he is good to you based on who he is, not based on how good you are. Now, some of you sit here a little weary, and a little tired, and a little worn out. And some of you are even uh, just compressed. Life has compressed you because it's been a very tough year. You look back at 2013 and some tough things happened to you. You might even be going through a tough situation right now. And the secret to going through and enduring tough times is to not focus on the problem, but to focus on the goodness of God. That's the way out. You can't look at all the things that are going wrong. You've got to look at the goodness of God. We just laid to rest just eight weeks ago one of the greatest heroes in in, in the American military. He was a combat fighter pilot who was the most decorated combat fighter pilot that we've had. And he was laid to rest in Arlington Cemetery eight weeks ago. His name was James Robbie Reiser. James Robbie Reiser was shot down over North Vietnam, and he he was captured and for 32 days, he was tortured every single day. And then he was, he was kept captive. He was a prisoner of war for seven years. And the first three of those years, he was in solitary confinement in the dark, not talking to anybody every single day. Can you imagine being in the dark every single day for three years? He writes about how he kept his sanity somehow over what he called life that was at the, he was in the essence of despair. In the bottom of his cell, there was a little grate that he pried the grate off, and he was able to put his head into the grate and look down the little tunnel. And down that tunnel, he saw a single beam of light shining on a single green blade of grass. That's the only color he had in his entire world. And this is what he writes. He says this. That little ray of light, that little bit of color was like a daily blood transfusion to my soul. I would begin each day in prayer, lying on the floor with my head down that drain vent and focusing on that little ray of light and that little blade of grass. I would talk to God. Listen now. It was my faith in God's goodness that kept me going all of those years in the dark. (laughs) He not only survived that, he came out, went back in the Air Force, retired a general. I don't know what darkness you're in right now. Maybe you can't find your way. Maybe the pace and the pressure and the pain of life has just robbed all of your peace and you're here at Christmas and your life feels like a wreck. Listen, it's time to slow down and to consider the goodness of God. God is good to you. Stop looking at all the things that are wrong and look at the goodness and the little things you take for granted. When you get into bed tonight, you thank God that you have a bed. 
When you drive out of here today, you thank God that you have a car. You, when you get into that shower, you thank God for warm water and the gift of God. Thank him for that glass of clean water that you drank that sustained you. That was just a gift of God. Not everybody has that. Thank God that you were born in the United States of America. A thousand different ways you can thank God and consider how good he is to you. And did you know that that's one of the names of Jesus in the Bible, the goodness of God? I don't know if you ever knew this, but it says that when the goodness of God appeared, that's Jesus. When the goodness of God appeared, he saved us. When he entered into the world, one of his names, you know, is Emmanuel, which means God with us. When God entered into the world... When he appeared, when the goodness of God appeared, he saved us. So here's my point. God is good to all people, and he's been very good to you, and God is with you, and he's with you right now. Take a minute and consider the goodness of God.
What a voice. Messi Augustine, everybody. Now, the goodness of God when he appeared, okay? Now, think about the lyrics of this song, not just how great it was. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. What does that word pining mean? It means weary. It means tired. It's, it's a weary longing for things not to be broken. And this whole world is broken. And everything in it just goes from bad to worse. The government's broken and the economy is broken and the weather is broken and our bodies are broken and our minds are broken. And we're weary of all the evil and all the bad news that we see. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Long longing for it to be different till he appeared till Emmanuel came into the middle of a mess where the soul would finally feel its worth that's that's the christmas message that god who is so good would come into the middle of a mess jesus make no mistake about it is not the, a messenger sent by god he is god with a message and that's the message of christmas that the god who created this magnificent universe would suddenly in a split second in a millisecond shrink into a microscopic seed into the womb of a virgin that nobody believed that nobody understood and would take on flesh and be in darkness for nine months and would be born not in a maternity suite down at community north but born in a stable in a manger an unsanitary feeding trough where the first sights and sounds would be the smells and the sounds of animals you can't get much lower than that what a mess and God gets right into the middle of that mess. And the same little hands, picture this, that are reaching up out of a manger are the same ones that measured the universe when he put it into motion. So God, Emmanuel, came near. He came to be with us, and he comes into the middle of a mess. And the weary soul will feel its worth when it realizes that the God who made everything, who's in control of everything, and it's not spinning out of control, he is personally interested in me and the mess that I'm in. That's the message of the gospel, that he, he knows and that he cares. See, God is good to all and he knows. Well, wait, what about all this? People say, where was God when that happened? And where was God when this happened and when this bad thing? I'll tell you where he was, right in the middle of the mess. He came right into that to comfort broken hearts. And he understands exactly how you feel. Listen, of all people, God knows what it is like to lose a son in an unjust attack. He understands what that feels like. And he feels and shares the pain of all people. He understands pain. When people say they don't understand where God is, he is right there. The scriptures say the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those who are crushed in spirit. There is never a moment when God is closer than when you're brokenhearted. God is not some distant, unemotional force. God feels what you feel. He hurts when you hurt and he shares the pain of all people. And guess what? He keeps a list. The list that he's keeping is not the one you thought. The list that he's keeping is he's keeping track of all of your sorrows and your tears. Look at this. The Bible says, you keep track of my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears. You have recorded each one in your... That's the list God is keeping. That he cares about every tear. That's attention. So he knows what it feels like to be abandoned. So if you've ever felt that way, he knows what that feels like. If you've ever been betrayed, does Jesus know what it means to be betrayed? If you've ever felt frustrated and lonely and experienced the pain of loneliness, would Jesus not have experienced that? He knows what that's like. 
He knows what it feels like to be mocked and to be ridiculed and to be rejected and to be misunderstood. He's experienced uh, prejudice and discrimination and rejection. He has experienced every emotional pain that you've ever felt. I'm talking to some teenager right now that feels that you don't know the pain that I've been in. He understands every pain that you've ever felt. He understands physical pain. For those of you who are so weary of pain in your body, they, they, they took the one who had no sin and they beat him on his back and they put a crown of thorns on his head and they nailed his hands and his feet to a cross. And he died a death by suffocation of crucifixion. He not only understands physical pain and emotional pain, I think the greatest pain he knows is spiritual pain. What's that? Spiritual pain... Imagine taking the guilt of every person. He came for all people. Imagine taking the guilt of every person who's ever lived. Every crime, every rape, every murder, every molestation, every abuse, every, every genocide. And he takes that on himself. I want you to think about how do you feel when you're guilty, really guilty over just one thing. And how you carry that around. And you're not the only one that's felt that way. Everybody feels that way. We all carry around things and regrets. I mean, all have sinned like that. All have fallen short of, of our own standard, let alone that of a holy God. So imagine Christ taking on the guilt of every single person. All that stuff that you feel. A great scripture that I find comfort in says it like this. Because God understands us. All we, like sheep, have gone our own way. We left our God's path. We, we went on our own path. We, we went our way. We strayed. We got lost. <laughs> Funny thing about being lost is sometimes you don't know that you're lost when you're lost. You have a friend that right now is lost, but they just don't know it, but you know it. Have you ever been lost yourself and you just didn't know it until later? Listen, the, the Spirit of God is searching for lost people, people who are spiritually lost, people who are lost in guilt and regret and they feel like life from this point forward will be second best or it'll be second rate. He comes for people who have been lost. And God places the sin of Jesus upon him. That is what sets us free. The scripture says this, that Jesus sacrificed himself. Look at, there it is again, for all people to free them from their sins. He got what he didn't deserve so that we could receive what we don't deserve. And that's why you need a savior. I don't know if I need, I don't need a savior. Oh, yes, you do. If you could have fixed your life and had it all right, you'd have done it by now. And on top of that, God wouldn't have sacrificed his son, his only son, on a cross if there had been any other way. If you could have just tried harder. Everyone needs a savior. And on the cross, he who never sinned took on all of your greed and all of our lust and all of our deception, all of our pride, all of our ego, all of our selfishness. And he took that upon himself, and he sacrificed himself for your sin and for mine. Now, the most famous verse of the Bible you've all heard is this. God so loved the world. Who's that? All people. All people. Everybody. That he would give his only son, that whoever, everyone, anyone who believes in him, who believes that he died on the cross for their sin, that he is God, that he has come into your mess, and humbly accept him. He, 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 they will not perish. They will not go down that perishing way. What I mean is, is we're all a mystery to ourselves. You know that. 
Why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do? Why do I keep doing what's wrong? We're already perishing. And he didn't come into the world to condemn us. He came into the world to save us. I don't know why people get, get this wrong. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn anybody. He came into the world to save people. And so he's calling now all people to come to him. He, he, he wishes that every person would turn from their self directed life and follow him. And to those who would believe in him and to those who would receive him, he gives the right and the privilege and the power to become a child of God. What do you mean become a child of God? I thought this was for all people. Well, listen, God loves all people. God cares about all people. He has a plan for all people. He's not the father of all people. What do you mean? He's the father of people who choose to become his child. See, every person's got to choose that for themselves. He's not going to force you or control you, but you have the opportunity to become a child of God. I love the scripture that says, here I am, I'm listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. You know what that is? That's this moment. He's knocking at the door this Christmas saying, why don't you let me save you? Why don't you let me take control of your life? Why don't you let me start leading and directing? See, you can't change yourself from the outside in. It's got to be a change of the heart, and only God can change your heart. The heart of man is, dis is, wow, it is so wicked. We don't even know it ourselves. But God could come in to the person who humbly, listen, just comes as they are. You can't fix yourself up. One of these days I'll get my life right. No, you won't. You can come right now to God and say, God, I just humbly need you to rescue me. Change my heart. When you realize that he's been good to you and suddenly you recognize how messed up your life is and you simply say, God, will you take me? Will you take my life and I'll, I'll follow you? He does something inside of you that is so profound. He forgives all of your sin. He takes away that sense of guilt and he begins to lead you. And over a period of time, he'll change you into the image of his son. You won't even recognize yourself a few years from now. And the good news of the gospel is he's come to change your life and to make you, set you free and to give you everything that you've been searching for. Now it says this, it makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and you're ready to do what he says, the door is open. See, that's what's so great. I, I want you to know something. The door of this church is wide open to all people, all people. No restrictions, no conditions, no limitations, all people. We want you to be part of our family. We would love that. But even better than that is a God who says, I want you to be part of my family. So you come just as you are, humbly, and receive the gift that he has for you. Take a minute and just listen. Come just as you are.
I want to lead all of us in a prayer. It's a prayer for all people, and I don't want you to bow your heads. I want you to look up on the screen, and I'm going to put the scripture or the, the prayer up on the screen, and I'd like for all of us to pray it. It's a prayer for Christmas for all people, and we can say this together. Here we go. Dear God, thank you for your goodness to me. Thank you for loving me and caring about every detail of my life. Thank you for sharing my pain. Most of all, thank you for sending Jesus at Christmas to save me. I believe he died on the cross and rose again for me. I want to turn away from my self-ruled life and let Jesus take control of me. I humbly ask you to forgive my sins and accept me into your family. I want to learn to love you and trust you and follow you for the rest of my life until I join you in heaven forever. Amen. Now, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you said that prayer and you prayed it. I don't know if you meant it or not, but if you did, if you meant that in your heart, God is doing something in your life right now. And I don't know if I can explain it all other than that. You just have that, I know that I know that I know that God has forgiven me of all of my sin and he has taken away my shame and he's put his Holy Spirit inside you. And if you'll follow that prompting of that voice, he will lead you and take you farther than you've ever dreamed and you will not even recognize yourself a few years from now. And we've just given our lives to God in prayer, we're going to give to him a song of praise for Thanksgiving. We're going to sing that old Christmas hymn, Silent Night. So why don't you find that candle that's in your hand, and we're going to light that and sing it together. The host team is going to come to the end of each aisle, and they'll light the flame at the end and pass it to the next person. If you've got a little child with you who has a candle, just be very mindful of the hair of the person in front of you, if you wouldn't mind that. I don't want to have the fire department come running in here wreck your beautiful hair all right and will you just stand with me let's get sing this together come stand we're going to sing silent night holy night silent night holy night That sounds beautiful. Let's keep singing together. Silent night.
Silent night, holy night. Let's sing together. Silent. 